Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always is a man that knows that the Zapruder film was edited, and it turns out JFK shot first. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are drinking Codebreaker by the beautiful minds over at the Dayton Beer Company. Codebreaker is a no funny business imperial double IPA. Super strong and hoppy. If you like bitter strong beers, then this is for you. And Codebreaker was brought to us by these beautiful minds. First up, we have Laura in Teddington, New Zealand. And a big cheers, mates, to Brad in Seaholm, Australia. And a thank you goes out to Anna and her mom, Paula, in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And from Lawrenceville, Georgia, we have a big shout-out to Becca. And a long-distance cheers to our friend Tony G down in Lake Wales, Florida. And last but not least, we have Chrissy in Columbia, South Carolina. So thanks to everybody for helping with this week's beer run. If you want to fill up the fridge for next week's shows, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And a reminder to everybody, we're about six months behind, maybe a year behind, maybe three years behind. We're not really for sure. We're just really far behind on the beer shout out. So be patient. All right, Captain, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Late June 1999, a woman finds a body near a cornfield off a rural road just about 20 miles north of St. Louis. Investigators are quick to make an identification. However, the medical examiner is uncertain as to how the man has died. Police have their theories and suspicions. They believe the man had been killed somewhere else and dumped in a spot between the road and cornfield. The man was 41-year-old Ricky McCormick, a loner. His friends called him a vampire because he would leave home after the sun went down and not return until it was coming up again. Ricky had a checkered past and a police record. Some suspect he may have been dealing drugs. Ricky was associated with some bad people. Is it possible that Ricky's past or the circles that he may be running in led to his death? Ricky was always a little odd, but leading up to his death, he was behaving especially strange. Did Ricky know he was in trouble? And if so, did he know who was after him? Why didn't Ricky seek the help of others around him? Did Ricky fear that his loved ones would be in danger if they knew what he knew? After his death, police discovered some strange clues. Clues that suggest Ricky knew who was after him and why. This is the case of Ricky McCormick.
June 30th, 1999, near West Alton, Missouri. A woman is driving her car on a road off of Route 67. There is a large cornfield that runs along the side of this road. Well, she spots something in the open part of the field, the kind of find that is going to ruin the rest of your day, Captain. It appears to be a dead human body. Police are called to the scene, and they find what most reports say, a body that was very badly decomposed. Later, the authorities used fingerprints to identify the body to be that of 41-year-old Ricky McCormick. McCormick was a high school dropout who had held multiple addresses in the Missouri-Illinois regions of St. Louis, Bellevue, and Fairview Heights. At the time of his death, Ricky worked and lived about 20 miles from where his body was found. Ricky did not drive or own a vehicle, so finding his body there was strange in itself. Mm -hmm. Due to the decomposition of the body, the medical examiner could find no cause of death. There was no indication that anyone would have a motive to kill Ricky McCormick, and no one had even reported him missing. So the authorities at the time initially ruled out homicide. But keep in mind, his body... Where I have an issue with this, Captain, is his body is found almost 20 miles from where he lived and worked. Right. What is the reason that he was miles away from his current address? And as we said, he did not own a vehicle. And the area that he was found in, there is no public transportation in that area. He didn't take a bus to get there. He wasn't reported missing, which Mm -hmm. is strange as well. Now, Ricky McCormick, he was last seen alive just three days earlier before his body was found. The body was found on June 30th. So when the reports come out that his body was badly decomposed, I'm thinking that they mean in relation to either when Ricky was last seen or when they believe the time of death to be. Now, both of these would be on the 27th, just three days earlier. So was this a murder? Wasn't this area known to be a dumping ground? Yeah, yeah. Police would later say that this was a dumping ground for, quote, known criminal activity Mm -hmm. but it was also very hot so the decomposition could have happened quicker because of the temperatures and possibly yeah so let's go through this i actually looked up the weather report for that week Mm -hmm. that he was missing so uh some reports state that he went missing on the 25th we now know that not to be true there there are reports that would later come out that he was seen on the 26th and then the 27th Mm -hmm. so Let's start with the 27th. That was a Sunday, and it's June. It's the end of June, so you would expect a hot day. 90 degrees was the high, Captain, and 69 degrees was the low. So a pretty warm day on that day. Now, on Monday the 28th, 86 degrees was the high, 71 was the low, and then on Tuesday, June 29th, 75 degrees and 62 degrees. So the 29th is not particularly Hot, I would mm-hmm. say. 75 being the high, 62 the low. Right. There was no rain uh, on two of those days and a very light rain on the Monday before he was found on that Wednesday, June 30th. Here's the thing that, that jumps off the page to me is when we hear the description of this area of where his body was found. Now, I know that, that we said a country road. Mm-hmm. Okay, so probably not traveled often or you know you wouldn't expect a lot of traffic going through there right however this body doesn't seem to be concealed in any manner there's a cornfield near this road if somebody wanted to conceal him you could have put him in the cornfield mm-hmm. however it looks to me like somebody just pulled up and dumped him that, that he would have been killed elsewhere and dumped in this area because it states he's found in an area an open area in a grassy area between the country road and and the cornfield. Now keep in mind the person that found him first discovered this body. She's not she's not looking for anything. She's not walking alongside the road when she spots this body. She's driving. So it, it it to me seems like it's right out in the open where just about anybody if you were traveling during daylight on that road that you would see his body. It's never a mannequin. Right, right, right. Never. Well, I was actually very happy that when I found reports about this, no one mentioned the word mannequin because they always do. Um, The thing, though, that gets me, Captain, is I think this has to be a murder. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that if he would have somehow died there, Mm -hmm. 
you know, let's forget about how he would have got there. Let's say he manages to get there or he's there for some reason and he dies there. Yeah. Okay. Let's just stay on that point real quick. Okay. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that this individual that does not have a car and probably has multiple times used his feet as transportation. Oh, of course. That, that it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he would travel. Now, this is a far, this would be a very long walk. Mm-hmm. Um, this would take several hours, right? Well, this was a man, too, that was known to hitch rides. And I and I don't, I, I say hitch rides because that's how his family described mm-hmm. it. I don't think of him as a hitchhiker, but this would be somebody that would, wouldn't, would often ask people for a ride. Right. You know, or, so he could have got a portion of the way without even walking. Exactly. So let's forget about how he could have got there because we, we both agree he, he could have potentially got there, right? Mm-hmm. This is what I have a problem with. If he would have somehow died of natural causes at that spot, on the tw- he was last seen on the 27th. Mm-hmm. His body was badly decomposed. And we're stating, so you can't say like, all right, he managed to get there and he didn't die until the 29th or the 30th. He most likely died on the 27th when they believed the time of death to be. If he died and fell in that spot, I think he would have been found before the 30th. You know, we have two and a half, three days go by. His body wasn't concealed in any manner at all. Somebody else would have spotted this body. Possibly, but I I guarantee you there was people that drove by that body. She wasn't the first person that drove by the body and said, Oh my God, it's a body. So my other thought too Mm -hmm. is regarding the badly decomposed body. I I don't think that we're seeing temperatures or the elements being harsh enough to expedite the decomposition to this point. I think, I think what we're looking at is that he was killed elsewhere and he was kept somewhere and probably dumped in off the side of the road in the middle of the night before she found him the next day at daylight. Yeah, the temperatures weren't that hot. I also just question, you know, this Ricky seemed a little bit of a loner. And yeah, they have eyewitness reports saying that they saw him three days earlier. But there's a lot of people that mistaken, you know, can be mistaken when they, oh, yeah, I saw him on Thursday, but you actually didn't. You saw him on Monday. Mm-hmm. So. That is a possibility. Well, and the thing I think here, Captain, this is just my suspicion. What would speed up the decomposition process? If he was in somebody's trunk, in the trunk of somebody's car for mm-hmm. for a couple of days, it would get it would get quite a bit hotter in that trunk uh, in that vehicle. Yeah. And that could speed that up. So I think that might be what we're looking at. But what we do know we're looking at here, Captain, is that they do eventually change this to a homicide investigation. And I think what we have is, you know, when well, the- let's let's talk about that for a little bit, because initially the, the coroner couldn't really figure out the time of death because mm-hmm. um, the autopsy, I don't think it was done correctly. They also didn't state it was a homicide at the initial um, autopsy. Right. They just said he died. How? We don't know. Well, they they were actively investigating a homicide in this situation and what okay, i th- but why though because your coroner comes out and says we don't know how he died right right and then so they're actively pursuing it as a murder investigation but why we have no cause of death well because they did change it to possible homicide right this is where the case to me just starts getting weird right right from the get-go well is is that you have one person saying, we don't know how he died. And then later on, we have the FBI coming out saying he died by a gunshot. So how was that gunshot not found in the first autopsy? We have the, I, we do have the FBI stating that I found one local report of the police, a police officer stating that the man appeared to have suffered a head injury. Now they don't go into specifics on the head injury. What my guess is captain is that either a you're right and this this examination was not done properly or b it was conducted properly the, they don't come up with a cause of death mm-hmm. and so what happens in a lot of these cases and we've seen it in other cases i believe it was the bill comeen's case as well where if they're not certain as to the cause of death 
you got to keep in mind, they're making that recommendation based off of the evidence that's in front of them, Mm -hmm. off of the information that they have at the time. So if they examine the body and they say, well, we can't determine that this was a homicide, it's an unknown cause of death. Well, then the investigators, the detectives that, that responded to finding this body come to the medical examiner and say, look, from our trained eye, from our years of expertise in this area, we feel we have a homicide here. And why? Because we suspect this, 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 and this. Mm. That's why I think in that first report we see where it says he, it wasn't known, you know, he didn't seem to have any known enemies or they couldn't find any known motive for somebody to want to kill him. So I think what we have here though, is I think we have the police and the investigators going back to the medical examiner and saying a couple things. One, we think he was killed elsewhere. Why do we think that? My guess is that they they share my thought that his body probably would have been found earlier mm-hmm. had he had he remained there for days. The other thing too is the speeding up of the decomposition to the body. You know, that didn't just happen on mm-hmm. its own. And if you can if you can prove or if you can say that you know what the the natural elements, the elements in the weather at, at that time in that place did not speed up this process at all, then he has to have been elsewhere for a portion of his death. Well, didn't Ricky, wasn't he known to have some health issues? Yes, he did have some health issues. And I think that's what led to some of this confusion. You know, he had, um, some asthma issues and he had some heart issues as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go through his background. Let's go through, uh, the timeline leading up to what I'm going to go ahead and call a murder. Well, you have every right to do that. I mean, that's what the FBI calls it. Okay. Well, Ricky was born June 14th, 1958. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up living in the St. Louis area and he lived there throughout different times of his adult life. In fact, his address at the time of his death was a St. Louis address. His mother, Frankie Sparks, describes her son as challenged. Now, I have some questions about the relationship that he had with his mother. His Frankie, his mom, is she's a straight-to-the-point kind of blunt-speaking person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she uses some negative terminology when she speaks about her son. But then, on the other hand, Ricky lived with his mother as an adult, not all the time, but on and off. Right. So, where one gives the appearance of a poor relationship between the two... The other may suggest otherwise. Ricky's cousin, this is Charles McCormick. These two guys, they were tight. They had a relationship that was much more like two brothers uh, for most of their lives. Charles says Ricky would often talk like he was in another world. Mm -hmm. And he suspects Ricky might have suffered from maybe schizophrenia. Okay. Or bipolar disorder. Yeah, didn't his like doctor when he was a kid uh, see the mom called him slow, mm-hmm. right? This is what the mom called him, not what we're calling him, but she called him slow. And then the doctors were saying because he, he was he wasn't he was never diagnosed with anything, right? But didn't one of the doctors say something about that he had a brick in his a brick wall? Yeah, in his mind. Well, and like you said, you know, even though his cousin suspected these possible disorders. Nothing was officially diagnosed, of course. Mm -hmm. So some people close to Ricky suggested that. um, But but his cousin would possibly be right on the bipolar or uh, schizophrenia. If he he was talking in such a way, there are some people that go into a manic state Mm -hmm. and they kind of talk in a way that almost makes sense, but almost seems from another world. And speaking of people that Ricky was close with, he was also close with his aunt, Gloria McCormick. The family calls her Cookie. Hey, Cookie. It's unclear if Ricky ever received any formal treatment for any type of mental illness, but his family members recall Ricky's displays of what they call unusual behavior. And they also Mm -hmm. stated that uh, he was known for concocting and telling tall tales. Now, teachers... When he was in school, teachers kind of just shuffled him along from grade to grade, but it's believed that he could hardly read or write uh, as a youngster. Yeah, for I think his mom said he couldn't read or write. The only thing he could actually write was his name. He did eventually drop out of school. He dropped out of high school. Ricky 
McCormick usually relied on occasional odd jobs to help support his income. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did things like mopping floors, washing dishes, bussing tables, service station attendant. Um, He did receive disability checks due to uh, those health problems that you had mentioned earlier. He had a a, a chronic heart problem Mm -hmm. uh, and he had, you know, so he was, these health issues probably limited the amount of work or the types of work that he could perform. Ricky preferred the night shift when he did work. He did. Uh, he developed a reputation as a night owl. He worked at night and he did his thing at night. Often he would be leaving his place of residence when the sun was going down and returning home when the sun was coming up. As a teenager and later as an adult, he was known to frequently hitch rides or take the bus to distance himself. This is his family saying this to distance himself from the street toughs who were dealing drugs and picking fights on the street mm-hmm. just to be, you know, just to be safer. Now, St. St. Louis is a tough city. There are some very rough parts of old St. Louis. Ricky did have a police record. He was arrested when he was, 34 years old. This was in November of 1992 um, in St. Louis for statutory rape. Yeah. He had some kind of ongoing relationship with this girl that was far too young to even know or understand being in a relationship with a, an adult. Ricky fathered two children with this girl. Uh, they were together, I believe, for like three years in this quote unquote relationship. Mm hmm. He had been sleeping with the girl since she was 11, according to the court files, um, which the court files protect the girl's identity. So we do not know the name of this uh, person. Now, while awaiting trial on the first degree sexual abuse charge, Ricky was represented by a public defender. His counsel noted that there was reasonable cause to believe Ricky was suffering from some mental disease or defect. Mm -hmm. And his counsel requested that the judge order a mental health exam. Now this was granted by the court. However, the court certified Ricky McCormick as fit for trial. Six weeks later on September 1st of 1993, Ricky pled guilty to the crime. At that moment, Ricky became Missouri state inmate number five zero three five zero six. He spent 13 months behind bars in the Farmington correctional center before being sent home a year later. Now let's fast forward to June of 1999. So just days before the disappearance and murder of 41 year old Ricky McCormick. Mm -hmm. Now we said that Ricky often worked odd jobs. Well, 1999 was no exception for that. He was employed uh, working at a gas station, I believe uh, part-time hours. So in June of 1999, actually captain, I I'm wrong. We need to go back a little earlier than that. We need to go back to uh, the early morning of Tuesday, June 15th, 1999. So this is two weeks, about two weeks before his death. All right. Ricky McCormick walked up to the counter at a Greyhound bus terminal in downtown St. Louis, and he purchased a one-way ticket to Orlando, Florida. This was not the first time making such a trip and traveling by himself. It would turn out to be the last of at least two brief trips to Florida that he had made that year. On this trip, once he got there, he checked into and stayed at the Econo Lodge Motel in Orlando. Uh, He was in room number 280. Phone records show that either Ricky or his girlfriend, this is Sandra Jones, they made a lot of calls to several different people in central Florida, just a couple of weeks before Ricky traveled to Orlando. And the reason why we say either Ricky or his girlfriend was he was living with his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. We talked about how he did odd jobs sometimes to make extra money. Mm -hmm. One of the things that he would do is, you know, if you have something that you need to give to somebody, well, I can take it there and I can hitch a ride. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of speculation that he was running some drugs for some people. Mm-hmm. That's possibly what he was doing down in Orlando. Well, while he was there, Ricky and his girlfriend exchanged many short phone calls during the two days that Ricky had stayed in Orlando. And he made at least one call to the St. Louis gas station where he worked those part-time hours. Mm-hmm. 
Ricky's girlfriend, Sandra, told police after his death that she suspected Ricky was running drugs, that he went to Florida to pick up some marijuana. According to the sheriff's department, uh, their investigative report, the girlfriend's explanation went something like this. Ricky would, like you said, would accept offers to pick up and deliver packages for money. Mm -hmm. And he made trips to Florida before and on several occasions when he came back, he brought marijuana into their apartment where the two lived in this poor area, this uh, poor area south of downtown St. Louis. Right. The drugs would usually be sealed in Ziploc bags rolled together into bundles, she told the police. Ricky told his girlfriend that he was holding the stashes of weed for a guy named Baha Hamdala. Okay. All right. The police report. Baha Hamdala. Yeah. The police report states this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. Baha Hamdala. Um, everyone called this dude Bob. Thank God for me because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably not saying his name correctly. It's Wooster. So Bob and Ricky not only, you know, Ricky not only held weed for Bob, but he also worked for him at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Ricky didn't tell Sandra much about these trips to Orlando. He actually told her very little about these trips. She didn't know who he met with while he was there or even, you know, by name who he might have been going to Orlando to see. But his girlfriend, Sandra said that the last trip had been very different from the other trips because when Ricky got back from Orlando, she said Ricky was different He was very scared. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it Absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. 
Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, me mateys. Cheers, Captain. Let's go to June twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. So just about about eight days before Ricky's body was found. Now, on the afternoon of June twenty second, at three o'clock in the afternoon, Ricky McCormick walked into the Barnes Jewish Hospital uh, into the emergency room. Mm-hmm. He's complaining of chest pains and shortness of breath. He was by himself when he checked into the hospital. Now, Ricky, as we had stated, he had suffered from both asthma and chest pain since childhood. Yeah. He told his doctors that he did not abuse drugs or alcohol. And now this is a statement that friends and family would later back up as well. Ricky did, however, and this is not good if you have asthma and chest pains. Well, not good anyway. Uh, He did smoke at least a pack of cigarettes a day since his childhood mm-hmm. uh and he drank a lot of coffee practically all day long by his own estimate by Ricky's own estimate he told his doctors that he drank on average more than 20 caffeinated beverages a day that's a lot that's a lot and i like my coffee but that's a lot that's a lot of coffee well doctors ruled out a heart attack Uh, But they decided to keep Ricky there for observation for two days. Mm -hmm. So Ricky didn't leave the hospital until June 24th. Uh, He was scheduled to return for a follow-up visit. Uh, This was scheduled for the following week. But, of course, he never made it to the follow-up visit. Now, Ricky uses public transportation. Uh, He took the bus to get to his Aunt Cookie's house, uh, to her apartment. And once he arrived there, she said that he only stayed for about an hour. Uh, She told police that he would visit her often. He was extremely close to her. He was actually, by her account, closer to her than his own mother. Mm -hmm. And Well, it's because your own mom thinks you're slow. So maybe that has a reason why you're not visiting her all the time. And like we said, she has some negative things to say about her son. Right. And here's one thing that proves that he's closer to his aunt than he is to his mother. His mother lived right around the corner from Cookie's apartment. Yet he would often go and visit Cookie's house without ever going over to his mother's. Mm-hmm. So she said that Ricky would go over there and talk with her sometimes for hours. Uh, but as mentioned on this occasion, he only stayed for about one hour. And she said that he seemed less chatty on this visit than typical. She said that she thinks he had something on his mind, something intense, let's say. Um, She said that she offered him a ride, uh, but he insisted that he not take the ride, and he left her house on foot. Yeah, maybe something intense on his mind, or maybe the fact that he was in the hospital for two days with, with chest pains and... 
possibly but but cookie looking back what she she says something like he appeared to be mindfully watching his words when he was speaking with her she thinks that he was worried that he was going to say something he didn't want to tell her Okay. Or, you know, that he that he didn't want to reveal too much to her when he was there visiting with her. Mm-hmm. Now, Cookie's last image of Ricky is of him walking down her street. Around 5 p.m. the next day on June 25th, Ricky once again was in the emergency room, but this time he went to Forest Park Hospital. This is less than two miles from Barnes Jewish Hospital, where he had been just days before. Mm-hmm. This time he complained that he was having trouble breathing following an afternoon of mowing grass. Doctors diagnosed his wheezing as an asthma attack. He was not admitted to the emergency room. However, he was officially released at 5.50 p.m., so less than an hour after arriving there. Now, it's not clear what time he actually left the hospital because Cookie says, his aunt says, that she heard from some people that Ricky actually spent the night at the hospital, but he stayed the night in the waiting room before leaving the next morning. And that's going to bring us to June 26, which is four days before Ricky's body would be found. Mm -hmm. Now on that day, uh, Ricky's girlfriend told police that she spoke with Ricky on the phone around 1130 AM on the 26th. Right. She said that he told her he was out of the hospital and he was on his way to the Amicos gas station to get a bite to eat. Yeah. At least, go ahead. Okay, so Amico is, that's a gas station, mm-hmm. right? So you're smoking more than a pack a day. Right. You're drinking 20-some. 20-some <laughs> caffeinated, 20-some or more caffeinated beverages, beverages a day. And you're eating at gas stations. Yeah, well, we got to keep in mind, Ricky didn't have a lot of money. No, I know that. I'm just, I, I, you know, I'm just putting out there that that's another source of not living healthy. Right. You're smoking a bunch of cigarettes. You're drinking a bunch of coffee. All the um, nutritious foods served at the uh, right. Amico station. Yeah, and look, trust me. You just put Amico out of business. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning when I'd be driving home from gigs, I mean, I tried some weird shit, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're, you're driving and you're just hungry. And there's some hot dogs, and you don't know how long they've been there. Mm-hmm. I, I'll try them. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning. Roller food is what roller. I call that. <laughs> the food that's cooked on the rollers. That's when you know you're desperate for, okay. for food. But I, wa- but I should have been a little more clear, because this Amico gas station, that's the same one that he works at part-time, where he says he's going to get a bite to eat. Okay, so, so maybe he's there going to go there. There could be more involved in this trip to the gas station. Possibly, or the fact that you know, he could go get a couple hot dogs for free there. Right. I used to, I worked at a BP gas station briefly and there were a lot of free meals from, from the roller food section at the BP. Anyway. So he go, he tells his girlfriend that he's going to go to this Amico gas station to get a bite to eat. He also works at the Amico gas station. Now, one thing here that I would love to know, and I couldn't figure this out because it's not stated anywhere. The person's name But what is stated is at least one gas station employee who remains nameless for some reason told the police that he saw Ricky there that day at the Amico station. But this employee also says that he saw Ricky at the gas station the next day on June 27th. Right. Now, medical examiners, while not having determined an exact cause of death, they managed to determine that they believe that Ricky had died on this day. So sometime after leaving the Amico station on the 27th, Ricky, in my opinion, was killed by somebody. Right. So let's go through some of the statements that Ricky's aunt Cookie, uh, that she has stated when she looks back to the last time that she had saw him in regards to the last week that Ricky was alive. She says that she suspects Ricky's hospital visits could have been attempts to find a hideout, you know, a place where he could lay low, that maybe he was hiding from somebody. Right. And she said, quote, maybe he knew he had got into something that put his life on the line and that he knew he could have stayed here, uh, she says, meaning at her home, but maybe he didn't want to put her life on the line as well. 
So following our timeline, Captain, that brings us back to the day when Ricky McCormick's remains were found. Badly decomposed in an open field. He was lying face down. Ricky was wearing a filthy uh, pair of Lee brand blue jeans, and he had a stained white t-shirt. Now, Ricky was only five foot six inches tall, and his badly decomposed body, um, it only weighed 72 pounds when they examined it at the autopsy. Advanced decomposition made the autopsy very difficult. The pathologist with the St. Charles County Medical Examiner's Office ultimately ruled Ricky's cause of death undetermined. But the police, this is where the police come in, and they're talking to the medical examiner, and they say, we suspect foul play. Okay, so let's chat about a few things here, shall we, right? Time of death. How, if they don't know how he died, right. you know, bullet wounds, no stab wounds, possible head injury, uh, time of death, how do they come up with this answer if they don't know how he died? My guess would be stomach contents, right? We we know that he tells his girlfriend that he's he's going to this place to get something to eat. We know that police spoke with someone at that gas station who confirmed that he, he had seen Ricky on that day and the next day as well. Yeah, that's so weird because you got to place him twice, you know. And then we also said that he, whoever he worked for, he was also known to, you know, transfer some drugs for that individual as well, right? Right. So was that the guy or was it another coworker? Right. It does not give the name. All we know is that it's a man that, that saw him because the police in in their report, it says he. Right. He states that he saw Ricky on this day and that day. Now, the curious thing to me, too, Captain, is I don't know the, the situation with him and his girlfriend. I actually, I'm guessing, and I have little to go off of here, but I'm guessing that they weren't super tight because, uh, you know, I've been in relationships and in, in Think about this. He goes down to Orlando and then basically tells her nothing of this trip. Mm -hmm. I don't know about how relationships work for other people out there, but relationships I've been in, you better tell the woman why you're going to Orlando and what you were doing when you were there. You can't just go to Orlando and come back and be like, "Mm, not going to talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) None your business. The weather was nice. But here's, here's the weird thing, though. We have the gas station person stating that they saw Ricky on two days, Mm -hmm. leading the two days, the day before his death and the day that the medical examiner determined he died. Mm -hmm. We have his girlfriend saying that I last spoke to him on the phone the day before the medical examiner says that Ricky died, right? Right. The gas station is blocks. It's, It's literally a couple street blocks from where Ricky was living at the time. So for him to be at that gas station on two different days but not have stayed at his apartment that night is very strange to me as well. No. I'm assuming he didn't stay there because we have Sandra, the girlfriend, saying the last time she saw him was the day before they said that he was dead. Yeah, or maybe she was staying somewhere else or, that night. Right, or she wasn't which is there. a possibility. I mean, he the, the guy goes to the hospital you know, twice in two weeks, mm-hmm. and she doesn't go visit him once at the hospital. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, what kind of relationship is that? Now, the 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 uh, death was ultimately changed to a suspicious death. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite a homicide, but I think this is what we talked about earlier, where we have the medical examiner saying, I don't know, and then we have the police saying, we suspect foul play. So Yeah, what I stated earlier were, was that the FBI then comes out years later and says that he died from a gunshot wound. That's actually not factual. Um we can't find the cause of death. And it's reported in multiple sources that possibly there's a gunshot uh, wound or possibly a stab wound or possibly um, head injury, head injury. Mm-hmm. So it's not clear either way. Yeah. I, I To me, though, like I said, I think that because it took so long for his body to be found, I don't think he was in that field the entire time. From the from the time of his death to when he was discovered, it was almost three days, mm-hmm. and I just feel like that to me, and I think that's probably what the police were working off of is we suspect foul, foul play because a dead body do, just doesn't transport itself twenty miles away and put itself in a field. 
Yeah, but there's also other reports. I mean, this is what drives me nuts about the news is, you know, there was a report that he's found by this lady, right? Mm-hmm. She's driving along the freeway. She found, there's other reports that he was found by a farmer. So She could have been a farmer. Well, possibly, or he could have been not as close to the road and back a little bit further and was found by a farmer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's possible too. That's all I'm saying. So is it, you know, could he have been there for three days? Very possible. You know, depending on where he was found and what location and by whom, mm-hmm. right? So if he's, if he's found by the side of the road by this lady, then probably not likely that he was there for three days. Right. But if his body was further back, he was found by a farmer, it's very possible that he could have been there for three days, could have been there for weeks, and nobody found him. Well, he couldn't have been there for weeks. Well, but no, but what I'm saying, you know what I'm something saying. Something could have been there right. for weeks. But the the thing here is, though, the, the local reports that I found, multiple reports state that he was found by a woman, and I, I think at one point I even had her name. I didn't see a point in including it here in my notes, but... Um, I have multiple reports saying she's found by a woman, but all the reports stating it was an open area, that it's an open grass area, that it wasn't concealed in any manner. Right. Um, that it was just laying out in the open. Now, one thing you mentioned earlier is that this was a quote unquote dumping ground, right? Uh, the strip of land where he was found has been quoted as criminal dumping ground for years. This is what the police say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to back that up, we have in 1995, authorities discovered the bullet-ridden body of a woman in an abandoned house along the same stretch of U.S. Route 67. And then two years after Ricky's death, state road crews mowing grass some 300 yards, approximately 300 yards away from where they found Ricky, they found the nude bodies of two more women. So, yes, this appears to be an area that, for some reason, dead bodies keep turning up here. Okay, so Ricky is unemployed, and he gets disability. Mm-hmm. So he to supplement his income, he, he runs some drugs. So there's this guy at the gas station that he works part-time at the gas station, but also possibly runs some marijuana for this individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we have his girlfriend saying that, well, he went to Orlando. And that was possibly because he has been there before to get marijuana. So then he goes, possibly gets marijuana, possibly doesn't get marijuana. But when he comes back, he's noticeably different. Almost like he's scared. That is what the girlfriend says. Right. Then we have a noticeable difference reported by his aunt. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we have these things where he's checking into the a hospital, but she says that's a way to um, get away from somebody. And then he's last seen at this gas station, which would be the place that he was employed at the gas station, but also to possibly run uh, marijuana for this individual. For Bob. And then he's, right, for Bob. And then he's found dumped in this area that's known as kind of a dumping ground. Mm. So if you follow that trail, then your number one's suspect is bob oh yeah and and so why are they not saying who saw um ricky last is that to protect them from bob i would guess i would guess that it's one of two things it's either bob himself or it's Uh somebody that they want to protect from bob Let's let's get right, into right, this because right. you're 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 circling around something very important here. Is that when he was discovered dead, when Ricky was discovered dead, mm-hmm. when they, when the police started interviewing Ricky's relatives, his friends, his girlfriend, people that knew him, this is one thing that stood out. When his girlfriend was asked, was there anyone that may have wanted to hurt Ricky or kill Ricky, she told the detectives that Bob she suspected Bob would want to hurt or kill Ricky, the man that Ricky worked for at the Amico station. Yeah, why? And that that she said she suspected he was the same guy that was sending Ricky on these drug runs to Orlando. Mm-hmm. Now, 
So, so here's the thing. Let's go through this Amoco gas station because this is where I think this is the last known sighting of him, mm-hmm. and there's some bad people that are involved with this gas station. So the original owner of the business, listen to what's going on here at the, the gas station with the different owners over the years. So this guy, the original owner, he killed his neighbor with a butcher knife during a front yard argument. This was in May of 1994. That's how I settle all neighborhood arguments. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? You don't want to cut down that tree? Let me go get my butcher knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he ended up he ended up serving. Um, he was later he himself was later killed in prison while serving a life sentence for that second degree murder charge. Karma's a bitch. Yeah. So now we have a uh, another guy. Um, he's a. Uh, it's another Hamdala. Okay. I, his first name is somebody's going to have to tell me how to say this. J U M A, Hamdala. He's a Palestinian immigrant who, until 2002, he used the name David Radigan. Mm-hmm. He then became the president of the business after this other guy went to prison for killing his his neighbor. Right. Yeah. Well, he hires his brother Bob Hamdala. Okay. Now, these two brothers, they have a very rocky relationship, to say the least. In August of 1999, less than two months after Ricky's death, police from Maryland Heights investigated an incident in which David allegedly shot Bob. Bob survived the shooting, but filed no charges against his brother, according to police reports. Detectives looking into the shooting gathered information linking Bob to a gang in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So these were, they also linked Bob to narcotics. Yeah. Bob is reported to be a violent man and in possession of several weapons, including handguns, police reports and witness statements spanning several years illustrate repeated episodes of violence by this man. Shortly after moving to St. Louis in 1997 from Cleveland, Ohio, Bob, who was then 22 years old, he was cruising the streets of St. Louis in a blue Mazda protege when a police detective saw him pull up alongside a man named Terrence Clark, and they saw Bob lean out of his car window and fire a shot at this man with a 38 caliber revolver. According to the police report of the incident and a wit and witness statements. Well, these are bad dudes. It's the Dick nose brigade. Well, not only bad dudes, captain, uh, this Bob guy, apparently he's a bad shot as well because mm-hmm. he pulls up next to this guy, leans out his car, fires at the guy. The guy is unharmed. He's like, you know, like the matrix. He, he right. doesn't get hit by a single bullet. Now, you know, witnesses saw this. We have a police officer that sees this go down. They end up arresting Bob for this, but he ends up never being prosecuted. About nine months later in March of 1998, Bob was visiting one of his older brothers at his brother's job. His brother worked at a, like a family market, Mm -hmm. a small grocery store or something. And Bob goes there to visit his brother. At some point they get in some kind of argument. And, uh, then Bob allegedly, grabs a gun and he goes across the street and he starts firing from the other side of the street at his brother. These guys are big pussies. So several shots were fired and he ended up actually hitting his brother uh, with one of those shots. So he, he was shot. uh, Okay. So his brother shot him at some point and then a different brother, different brother. Yeah. (laughs) It's a violent family. No, but I just love it too, though. It's like, you know, just be a man if you really want to fight him. But do a little fisticuffs, right? Step, put toe to toe, right? Yeah. Get your get your fist out. Do a little fisticuffs. Well, he, Bob took off after shooting his brother. He, but then he six days later he ended up turning himself in. Um and <laughs> yeah, and they it was me. They charged him with it. Now, uh, then his brother comes forward and tells police that he doesn't want them to prosecute his brother for this. Right. So later that same month, while working at the family's Amoco station, Bob was arrested again, this time on a felony charge of second degree assault 
for allegedly beating a man with a rusty hammer. Mm -hmm. So Bob allegedly threatened to kill this man uh, that was described by his family and acquaintances as a sometimes homeless drug addict. Now, Bob beat the man because, according to Bob, he wanted the man to get off of the property. And according to the incident report, Bob told the police, I just figured I'd take care of this myself. Yeah. On August. Dick, Dick knows. Look, he, he he's probably one of these guys. I'd love if there was a picture of this guy, but he's probably one of these guys. He's all big and tough, and he goes out there, and there's this homeless guy that you know, is bothering him, right? And bothering the customer. So Mm -hmm. he has to go out there. Uh, You know, somebody goes, well, just call the cops. No, I'm just going to go beat him up. Yeah. Loser. Well, here's another strange incident. And this could just be a coincidence. Could be a coincidence. I don't know. But on August 7th of that same year, this is just two weeks before that that case was scheduled to go to court. Mm-hmm. for Bob beating this guy with a rusty hammer. The man, the victim, the, the the guy that he beat, he's gunned down just blocks from the Amico station on a residential street. Oh, really? Yeah, in a neighboring housing project. So yeah. the, the pending charges went away, and the man's murder remains unsolved to this day. Mm-hmm. Now, confidential informants have told the police that this man was killed because Bob either A, paid for the man to be killed or that he ordered it to be done according to St. Louis police reports. Well, he probably ordered it or paid it because we know that his shot is so bad mm-hmm. that, you know, he, he, he had to hire somebody. He probably couldn't even, you know, hit a sleeping homeless man. Here's the thing though. Um, by the end of 1999, it was learned that the St. Louis Police Department, they were investigating a man named Gregory Lamar Knox. Mm-hmm. Now, Knox was a major drug dealer who operated in and around a housing complex where Ricky McCormick had lived. Mm-hmm. Knox was also a suspect in several homicides, including at least two murder-for-hire schemes And according to police records, a confidential informant also told police that Knox was responsible for the murder of a black man who worked at a gas station Mm -hmm. whose body was was dumped near West Alton. Sounds Mm -hmm. to me like they're describing Ricky McCormick without saying his name. Yeah. Yeah. So St. Louis police captain, they've they've also linked uh, the Bob guy. And his alleged family to criminal activity and, and a possible connection with this Gregory Knox. Okay. It's a lot to uh, unwrap here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, if he was murdered, quote unquote, most likely mm-hmm. he's working for Bob. Bob's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Bob, use a piece of shit. Probably Bob, right? Right. If he's going to if he's going to die, I'm guessing by uh gunshot. Mhm. But we have no evidence of a bullet hole, right? Right. So then I'm guessing no gunshot. Guy says they saw him at the gas station the day before they think he died and the day of. And the day of. So, and the cops think that the the body was moved. Killed him at the gas station. Then you move the body. Yeah, and here's the thing. Ricky would have gone to that gas station. It would have been his natural habit to probably go to that gas station multiple times a day within the same day. Right, but he he we have no report of him going there, you know, recently, mm-hmm. right? So all I'm saying is... No report of him going there recently. What do well, you mean? Well, just go down this rabbit hole with me for a second. Okay. So he gets back from Florida. We have no report of him going to the gas station that he works at, that he possibly runs some drugs here and there for Bob. I think we could, we should assume that he had visited the gas station at some point bef- between returning from Florida and going into the hospital. Maybe, but he goes to the hospital twice. But at some point, he gets out of the hospital the second time, and he tells his girlfriend, I'm going to go there to get something to eat. And maybe he was going to do that, but also maybe he was going to try to set something right 
I need to go talk to Bob. I need to go apologize for mm-hmm. whatever, or I just need to see if he needs any work done, whatever. So <clears throat> last place scene, a, a bunch of, you know, criminals working there, running the place, um, possibly murderers. Guy ends up dead. If he was murdered, that's that's the place you look. The second one where he lived in this uh, community where it was run by a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that um, Ricky ran some drugs for him? That's very possible too. But because the cops believe the body was moved, I'd say it's more likely Bob in the gas station. Yeah, and well, what's what is Bob's relationship with this Gregory Knox? Because you have okay. Here's the the word on the street is this right that there the police are being told by people on the street that this Gregory Knox is rumored to have killed a black man that worked at a gas station and his body was dumped near West Alton. That 100 percent describes our victim Ricky McCormick. Right. Okay. And then there's other people stating that, you know, this guy was a big time drug dealer in Ricky's neighborhood. The problem with that, though, is we have the gas station, which is essentially in the same neighborhood. Right. So uh, you have two things. Either did did Ricky do something to piss somebody off enough to want to kill him, like his girlfriend told the police, you know, look at Bob. Mm hmm. Or was he competing with this drug dealer and lost some kind of turf war that, that, that Knox killed him to win some kind of turf war? Yeah, over Bob, not over Ricky. Well, after the police find out about all this information, all the things that they're hearing from these people on the streets, they decide that you know within weeks, they start conducting stakeouts of the gas station and of several homes of the owners and the employees of this gas station. Now, this doesn't turn into any arrest. It doesn't lead to any arrest, Mm -hmm. despite their ongoing suspicions and investigation. The detectives, they could never substantiate claims from the informant, suggesting a connection between Bob and his family and Knox to prove that one or either, you know, that one or both of them were responsible for Ricky McCormick's death. Mm -hmm. But both of these men... Bob and Knox, they both, they still ended up going to prison. Knox was arrested in July of 2000. He pled guilty to charges of possession with intent to distribute crack cocaine and carrying a firearm during a drug trafficking crime. Mm -hmm. A March 2001 report to Congress noted Knox was a suspect in at least four homicides that occurred in 1998 and 1999 in the St. Louis area. He was also the number one supplier of narcotics to LaSalle Park Homes area in South St. Louis. On October 13, 2000, your boy Bob, uh, he was my boy. (laughs) He was dick nose. He was now managing another store at the time. This is called uh, Charlie's Food Market in Madison, Illinois where he got into an argument with a customer. Different versions of this event uh, would be later presented in court, but ultimately a jury convicted Bob of first-degree murder after he shot the man in the face with a 9-millimeter Glock outside of the store. Yeah, this guy's a real piece of work. In September of 2002, a judge sentenced Bob to 38 years in prison for the killing. However... Later, Bob, when he's going through the appeals process, he caught a break in which later the courts decided that the gun went off while Bob and the man were struggling for control of the gun. Mm -hmm. So on May 15th, 2008, Bob walked out of court a free man, and he has since married and relocated to Cleveland, Ohio. Son of a bitch. Yes, he's, he's starting over in good old Cleveland, Ohio. And as for Knox, I think he was, don't quote me on this, but I think he was released from prison in 2013 or 14. Great. Great. So we we have some bad criminal elements that are very close to Ricky McCormick. All right. So if he was murdered, if Ricky was murdered, Mm -hmm. then it's it's by one of these guys, right? I think so, yeah. I th- that's that, pretty simple. It, it seems like that to me. Now, now something that we purposely have not mentioned yet 
Uh, this is because it was not publicly known until 12 years after Ricky McCormick was murdered mm-hmm. that when they found Ricky's body, homicide detectives, they searched the 41-year-old's victim's pockets for clues regarding his identity and possible leads as to who could have killed this guy. Yeah. And they found several things in his pockets. Now, one of them was a ticket for an emergency room visit. We knew he had those two visits right. uh, but shortly before his death. But they also found two pages of notes. These were written in some strange kind of code. The detectives eventually passed these coded pages on to the FBI. And after examining the documents, the FBI concluded that these ciphers could tell us who killed Ricky McCormick. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. We'll see you guys tomorrow as we dive into the cipher. And until then, everybody be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.